Warning, you're about to listen to the greatest radio show ever. And due to contractual obligations and to shield our airwaves and corporate licensees from any semblance of liability, responsibility, and gullibility, we must tell you the views represented on this show are not necessarily those of this station or its management. This radio show contains differing points of view on current political topics, and due to the nature of its contents, it should be heard by everyone. Thank you for listening. Now live from the Civic Media Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, where the political party is just beginning, welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Friends proving it's never personal, only politics. Please allow me to introduce myself. And now, here's your hosts, Dom and Crute. Welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. I'm calling this a Making Amends Friday Grievances Snowmageddon edition. Welcome to it, Dom. Hey, Crudy. Happy Friday. Great to see you. Aaron, working the board today. Thank you for stepping in. Of course, our fair audience, be safe out there. Glad you're listening to us. Crudy, whatever you're going to apologize to me about, I accept your apology. It's not you, per se, Dom. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Normally, when there are gonna make amends. apologies to be offered by this fine panel, the greatest radio show ever, you know, the first thought I have is, What'd you do? <laughs> but apparently it was me. It was little old Crudy yesterday offending the audience immeasurably. <laughs> well, it was measurable because lots of them sent texts and hate texts. They were very vitriol. You know, and we don't have enough haters around here now. I know. So I think in that regard, you did a fine job. I mean, you can't, we can't agree on everything all the time. So we're the devil's advocates, man. It's okay. I accept your apology. I thought today I would make amends <laughs> okay. by setting a tone. First and foremost, my wardrobe choice, Dom. The beloved and often traveled and worn dump Trump t shirt. The drump, dump Trump emoji, man. Looking good, Curdy, but you know, it's from a distance. I, I know that thing's got some miles on it and maybe a few holes. The Trump poop <laughs> emoji with the pompadour blonde. Yes, it's fantastic. We're getting a little faded, though, man. Maybe it a, is. A Google search. <laughs> you claim I can get another one, but but this was a 2015 one, Dom. My family got this for me. This is historic. I've had this T-shirt for three elective cycles. <laughs> I've been saying dumb Trump since the beginning, Dom. I wore this in the room the day he accepted the nomination in Cleveland. And I wore this somewhere underneath the warm clothes we wore at Donald Trump's inauguration, Dom. And to try and make some amends this Friday afternoon, <laughs> I'm wearing it today just to set the tone with our audience. All right. I'm on well, your side. You I'm on oh, your wow. side. <laughs> okay. And Dom, I... We'll see, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you can say it, but you're going to have to prove it, Curdy. Well, Dom, in an effort not to offend the audience today, at least not from the start, let's talk about the snow outside. <laughs> okay. It is, it is frightful. It is... Beyond being beautiful and snow globy in many places in the state of Wisconsin, and has turned into dangerous. Uh, 26,700 We Energies customers have no service right now, including our five o'clock guest, Dom. Jim Santel has Santel. no power right now. He's <laughs> joining us via candlelight. <laughs> you always one of those fireside chats, Curdy. This might be one with the former U.S. attorney. A literal fireside chat. That's the only way he can warm himself, apparently. 
Uh, Dom, we do have some snow totals from around the state. Want to hear where some of the big, deep oh, yeah. spots are? Lay it on me, man. Number one, at least according to this, at the Journal Sentinel, 3 p.m. this afternoon. So got to set a timeline because it might be snowing in places. Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, apparently leading the state 10.3 inches. That's pretty good. Boscobel, 10 inches. Menominee Falls, that's a little closer to you, Dom. 9.7 inches. Plymouth, that's the former home of Governor Tony Evers, right? He grew up in Plymouth. 9.5 inches. McFarland, that's in Dane County. Uh, that's down by me here, Dom. 9 inches. West Allis, 9 inches. Hartford, 8.3. Brookfield. Now, that's getting out in Waukesha County, Dom. It was terrible in Waukesha County today. Do you see the video I watched from uh, the highway camps? You couldn't see the highways. Yeah, it's bad. Really, the only bad. thing you could see is like the tow trucks trying to pull the people out of the out of the <laughs> thing. Uh, Brookfield, eight point two inches. Sparta, Wisconsin, eight inches. West Bend, eight inches, and then it goes on from there. Um, uh, Waukesha officially, where WAUK is, uh, six point five inches. You know they had and still falling, right? I mean, it's still coming down. Oh, it is. It's it's falling here. I'm here in the WMDX studios on State Street. And, you know, it's like a snow globe here, Dom. The snow blowing sideways. It's beautiful out there. It's better inside. Stay off the roads. Dom, that- uh, if you Yeah, if you don't have to, stay off the roads. And I did see also this morning, uh, I couldn't believe it, the ramp from I-94 West in Milwaukee to 894 South was closed. And literally, people were walking on the interstate. So, folks, stay in the cars. Wait for some help to come. Those socialist snowplows and EMTs and police will be there shortly. You know, I got to be careful. Some some are probably offended by the weather as well, Dom. But we got some friends, you know, to help share the blame. We got Alan <laughs> Robinson, our good friend and fine sponsor from Herbal Aspect. He's coming Soon with the 420 factor. Oh, yes. I can't wait to talk to Alan. We've got some weed to talk about here in the state There's of There's some marijuana policy moving forward here, or maybe <laughs> yeah. not. Uh, also, Vegas Joe Zapecki joining us at 430 today from Zapecki Communications. Although maybe we should call him Des Moines Joe Zapecki. <laughs> yeah. You know, Joe Zapecki ran the caucus in 2008 for fine wow. Democratic candidate Chris Dodd. Long time ago. Some of you don't even Joe's know who been Chris doing Dodd us a while. is. Yeah, longer than us. So, Joe Zapecki joining us at 4.30 today. And via candlelight, perhaps, generator, one of the affected Wisconsinites out there sitting in a cold house, our friend Jim Santel, former U.S. attorney, host of the Morning Cannoli on Saturday morning on Civic Media, joining us for a happier, happy hour, Dom. But here's... Here's my grievance. You know, we air the grievances and you can be a part. You can air yours here. 844-967-2789. But I'm pivoting from the weather to this headline. The mainstream media is full of incompetent idiots. And I want to get that out there today because I don't want to offend (laughs) anybody. Now, what this article, this commentary piece, D. Earl Stevens found it at the Raw Story Dump. What it starts talking about is the weather. The weather. You know, think about this. When there is a major winter storm, it's hitting the Midwest, right? It's plowing across the Midwest. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about the weather because it affects our listeners. It affects television viewers. It affects everyone in our community. 
Hell, could be life endangering. So when there is a weather cataclysm, when there's a big storm, hell, a hurricane, have you seen these networks get ready when there's a hurricane coming? Oh, every, every newsroom in America is responsive when there's a hurricane headed towards Miami. But here's, here's the point, Tom, and here is what this man writes, D. Earl Stevens. The mainstream media is full of incompetent idiots because when it comes to the politics and it comes to the very serious spot we find our nation, this precarious spot, on the edge of losing democracy, and they don't even have the urgency to cover it that they would have to cover a winter storm. So I want to read some of this. I know we're not going to get that far down, but I want to throw this out there. Let's get right to it. Too many journalists who occupy or spend their professional lives orbiting the newsrooms of our mainstream media are incompetent and most likely working in their important jobs for all the wrong reasons. Worst yet, most of the leaders of these newsrooms are either bought off corporate tools or dangerous innocents who have absolutely no idea what they're doing in their crucial jobs. While the end of life as we know it hinges in a large part on their ability to sound the alarms and let the world know what is at stake this year. And I am sadly not wrong about this, writes the author, the former editor of the Stars and Stripes, the military paper. At a time when we've never needed fair, harder-hitting coverage of the fascist Republican Party's attack on our democracy more, our journalists are catastrophically failing us in the fourth estate as a whole is facing a crisis in confidence from the American public that might ultimately lead to its extinction. The decline Ooh. of the press and their, their inability to do the most basic thing in the news business, identify and cover the biggest stories of the day, has hit extreme levels. That's our job, Dom. we got to find the lead each and every day. Bring it to the people. Well, this author writes... <clears throat> How else do you explain the dangerous and shoddy coverage of the most ominous internal threat to the United States since the Civil War, the end of our democracy? How is it after watching and listening to the anti-American deviant Donald Trump and his pathetic minions in the Republican Party recklessly comport themselves, can our media forget that one of the first things to go under fascist authoritarian regimes is the right to conduct their business freely? You think the press would come under attack under a second Trump term, Dom? I think they might. You think so? I mean, he was famous and still says, what? Fake news. Crooked media. That's what Trump does. Dom, these people are inches from losing their professional freedoms because in large part of their blinding incompetence in we are this close to losing our democracy forever because they seemingly haven't ever gotten as far as identifying the very real threat to us and their livelihood. It boggles the mind and is a veteran of nearly 30 years in the newsrooms, 16 of those in leadership. I am absolutely disgusted, writes this author. How dare they? Ever since the fatal election of the racist, soulless Trump in 2016, the press has come under fire for how they helped enable one of the darkest days in American history. This is not breaking news. Many members of the working press have since acknowledged their mistakes in the run-up to the election. Their failure to call a lie a lie, a racist, a racist, for instance, helped normalize the savage Trump. 
their nonstop coverage of his unhinged, heinous rallies where he insulted the disabled, are war veterans and failure to easily draw the stark distinctions between him and the accomplished, decent woman he was running against was journalistic malpractice. Strong commentary. Oh, it's not Cody, mine. it gets worse. I don't worse. want to offend anyone. He, he goes on to say they've actually gotten worse. Well, I'm here. Cody, to the former editor of the Stars and Stripes. That's why we're here, Cruddy. Well, I'm here wearing the dumb Trump colors today because I don't want our audience to lose sight of what's important. Beating this SOB. And, of course, doing a great radio show for you and your entertainment. Come back and find sponsor Herbal Aspect, our friend Ellen Robinson, and some 420 weed factoids. It is Friday. When they go low, we get high. The Devil's Advocates. We are back from the 420 break. Thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show. Take us with you anywhere with the Civic Media app. Go to your favorite app store. Download the Civic Media app. You can click on the buttons. You can call. You can text the Devil's Advocates anywhere you go. Dom, we have been joined by a fine sponsor and a friend. He is Alan Robinson. The sponsor is Herbal Aspect. He's the co-founder thereof. And Alan, you're always so dapper, man. I wish I had your taste. You know, I got to wear my dump Trump beat up old t-shirt just to make a point here on the show man but you always look <laughs> hey, handsome Alan. you always got a sport coat <clears throat> very professional sir um you know um i heard a guy recently comment that uh rich people uh look broke all the time and i just want to note that um it's a personal preference as to how you present yourself as an African-American male that uh, is a cannabis purveyor. I choose to prevent myself in a way that that uh, says I'm a professional. It doesn't say that I'm a layman or a, because I'm not that uh, an industry expert, right? Uh, so like, you know what I mean? But, but uh, the bottom line is, cause I get dressed for me. Plus yesterday was my birthday. Oh, so, happy birthday, you know, Alan. I'm gonna be fresh. I'm gonna be fly. <clears throat> Thank you. I am either ready for Walmart or a very, very wealthy man, one or the other. Uh, Alan, let's Can talk, we talk about the business at hand, yeah, Crudy. Let's talk about some weed, man. What is going on Thank at you, the good, Wisconsin sir. State Capitol? Why don't you tell us? Since we've last spoken, Alan, we've got a bill, a really, I would describe it as a bad bill. What do you think? Yep. So that poison pill bill, you know, do you recall last Friday, I told you I was coming to dash hopes. Uh, that is exactly what I intended to do. And I was very right in doing so. I informed you that the governor was right in saying that he would sign a bill without any poison pills. And Robin Voss, being the type of guy that invites you to a barbecue, and only serves salads, introduced a poison pill bill. Like this Damn. guy. Like I've never seen anything like it, right? And and you know who else? You know, it's shocking that who else was surprised by the audacity of the bill was that, that 
Senate Majority Leader Devin LeMayhew. Uh, you know, I wrote in a blog on the Herbal Aspect website uh, uh, last week that uh, state-run dispensaries would have the vibe of a of a DMV, and it, it was nice to see uh, our Senate Majority Leader echo those exact words <laughs> just the other day. So I mean, uh, the the odd day, like I told you, cause I said Governor Evers will sign a good bill. Robin Voss is incapable of producing a good bill, and that is exactly what it is. The fact of the matter is, Robin Voss and Assembly Republicans are playing with uh, an issue that is incredibly important to a wide swath of Wisconsinites. And it's nothing more than a campaign stunt. He should be, he should be ashamed of himself, but Jesus Christ, this little guy has no shame. Who, let me ask you this, who recognizes, we all see cannabis as a golden goose, what buffoon would regulate it only lay regular eggs? Stop it. Like, this guy, like, this guy, he's getting primaried from the right. Like, come on, man. Like, the sooner, the sooner we can get fair maps and, and a representative assembly, a representative senate, and that's the soonest that we'll see actual cannabis reform. So, so don't let these don't let these uh, uh, remedial Republicans gas you up uh, for their campaign talking points. Right? They uh, they're not even on the same page. Man, come on, man. Devin told him. Cheers, Senate Majority Leader. Uh, in regards to the Senate Majority Leader, Lemayhew, stealing your very mm. apt description that a what uh, a state-run dispensary would be like a DMV running weed. Well, Oscar Wilde comes to mind, and his great quote was, "Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness." See, the problem with people is that they tend to forget the, the latter part of that statement, good sir, that mediocrity can pay great. Lord have mercy. It's really quite important, right? And, and, and the idea that there is a, a proposed and introduced piece of legislation that handles both uh, responsible adult use and medical cannabis from Senator Melissa Agard, uh, who wasn't even consulted on the bill. It's, it proves that Robin isn't putting forth a good forth earnest effort, right? Like he's the worst kind of liar. Like he, uh, to continue uh, your point, Right, right. Uh, if Robin is trying to imitate a good legislator, one who listens to the people uh, uh, and and crafts legislation based off of their concerns, 
uh, like Senator Agarf, uh, <laughs> then uh, he's doing a piss poor job. Can I say that? You just did. <laughs> <laughs> Folks anyway, are listening uh, to the Devil's Advocates radio show. That is Alan Robinson, the co-founder of Herbal Aspect, our friend and sponsor. Uh, real quick, Alan, the Cap Times put out a, uh, a, a an op-ed today talking about legal cannabis, and they consider Illinois. According to them, total sales of legal marijuana products in Illinois topped $130 million per month. During much of 2022 and 2023, Illinois taxes those sales and in 2022 reaped hundreds of millions of dollars of tax revenue from cannabis sales. Much of the money then directed to support economically distressed communities, including those described as having been disproportionately impacted by drug criminalization. Uh, one quote from a state, Illinois State Senator Christina Castro. Every additional dollar the state sees in cannabis tax revenue means more funding for towns, cities, and counties that rely on taxes to fund critical services. That means more savings for our taxpayers and better financially st and better financial stability for local governments, something she's proud of. It'd be nice to have that here, Alan Robinson. Uh, real, real, real quick. Um, Robin's bill kneecaps both economic development and stifles uh, the, the tax opportunities for uh, the cannabis revenues. Senator Agard's bill, on the other hand, redirects those uh, revenues to in communities that have been most negatively impacted by cannabis reform. Real quick, G, it's my birthday. Uh, while our stores are closed today because it's a snow emergency, we do have a, uh, uh, we do have a, a sale going on right now. 20% uh, off, I believe it is, on pickups yet tomorrow. So you're looking at herbalaspect.com and 3047 University Avenue. Oh my gosh, I got to get up out of here because the music is playing. Mike, I'm sorry I took up all your time. Smoke some weed. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. More doubles. Bye. Occupy didn't start on Wall Street. It started on our street, The Devil's Advocate. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show, the Friday edition. Thank you to our most recent guest, a fine one and a fine sponsor. Herbal Aspect is our sponsor. The guest, Alan Robinson, our friend. And, you know, people are texting and sending me messages. Jeff said, you know, Alan sounds like that's a dude that has a lot of fun in life. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yes. He has the yeah. lifestyle of my little buddy, Dominic. You and Alan lived a life, Quinn, I swear, Dom. Uh, he dresses much more uh, dapper than I, as mentioned. Thank you, Alan Robson. Good cat. Uh, go check out Herbal Aspects, three locations in the Madison area. And it's all the legal stuff, man. It's all good. You can sell it. You can consume it legally here in the state of Wisconsin. But I do appreciate his candor, and he called it last week when we were talking about these Republicans coming up with some idea to legalize medicinal cannabis in Wisconsin that it was going to be bunk, and it was bunk, man. That that bill was so bad, it had more stems and seeds than that brickweed from college. <laughs> it did, and it does. And here's my <laughs> question, Dom, and we'll soon be joined by a fine guest, Joe Zapecki, Vegas Joe, or maybe this week he's Des Moines Joe. Uh, our friend from Zapecki Communications will join us shortly. He gave me a oh profanity when he realized how close to the mark and he had missed it. So, Joe, if he's a 
good human being. He'll be along shortly. And it looks like he is here. He just doesn't have his camera on. <laughs> well, well I, I was just going to listen to them talk about me for a while. <laughs> a little trash right. talking in your absence, hey, Joe. Hey, Joe What are you, Hi, Chris boys. Christie on a hot mic? Hey, Joe. Thanks for joining us, man. Happy Friday. Good to see you. You know, Dom, this is real, like, false advertising because that is not what Milwaukee looks like right now. <laughs> Closer to Hoff. (laughs) My green screen of the Hone Bridge is a nice, beautiful blue sky, and it is is not that in Milwaukee right now, that's for sure. So, Joe Zapecki, the political season starting to heat up, and apparently, according to some, they're affecting the weather to try and discourage the turnout for Donald Trump. (laughs) Do you see that today? Some of the Trump supportive... Uh, you know, there is no weather climate change, but apparently we can control the weather. I mean, Trump's followers believing that someone was controlling the weather to impact turnout makes about as much sense as some of the stuff they've believed about the 2020 election. So can we really put it past them? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of along the same vein, Joe. I mean, it, it kind of goes together. Yeah, it's all, it's all nuts. I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's like, I feel like what Republicans haven't grappled with yet and what they're about to come face to face with in the next couple of weeks between Iowa and New Hampshire is Donald Trump refuses to lose in terms of narrative. So even if, you know, if he only wins by, let's say, 14 points on Monday, he's going to say it was rigged. Exactly. He's going to say it was rigged. He's going to say, well, the DeSantis campaign told grandmothers to come in from out of state and caucus and. Uh, Democrats were changing their registration so they could caucus the trend. It's all rigged. It's all a lie. I should have won by 50. If they had counted all the votes accurately, I would have won by 50. Then we're going to go to New Hampshire. And the conventional wisdom is coalescing around Nikki Haley actually surpassing him, which I'm not ready to predict yet. But the, the, the theory here is Trump wins in Iowa. Haley takes second. And there's some distance between her and DeSantis in third which means DeSantis has to drop out. Now it is basically a one-on-one race and everyone coalesces around Nikki Haley and she somehow gets more votes in New Hampshire than Donald Trump does. But then we just run it back and Donald Trump says, I didn't lose. This was all rigged. Yeah. And so (laughs) they are like, they, they are about to run smack into, Oh my God, this Frankenstein monster we've created now is like, now is here to take us and and like while there's some beautiful irony to that it's part and parcel of why this year is going to be nonstop chaos from january one on and joe some of the uh way that the republicans have set up their primary process it's like a winner take all in almost every state and just by pure name recognition of course donald trump's going to win the primary in at least a handful of states just because he's the best known candidate right so this makes it nearly implausible, I would say, Joe, for a Nikki Haley to surpass him in the electoral count for the Republican nomination. I mean, by Super Correct. Tuesday, it's nearly over, man. I don't know if Wisconsin yep. will matter one iota on, on April 2nd. Oh, I don't think it will. And, and this, is, this is a different approach between the two parties. And it is, I think, the most undercovered story of 2023 is that Trump and his team went state by state to make even more states than already had been winner take all 
and to make it more likely that he could get the quick knockout, right? So there's a lot of differences between the way Republicans caucus in Iowa and the way Democrats do. With the Republicans, it is basically, it's just a primary, but it's a primary where you have to go at a certain time to a certain place as to as opposed to voting in a regular primary, the polls are open for 13 hours and you can go whenever is convenient for you, right? The Democrats do the thing where they stand in groups and they move around the room and there's viability questions. It's not that complicated, but the delegates that Trump is going to be able to wrap up in, in short order, I just, I think Republicans are kidding themselves that three weeks from now, the reality isn't going to be, oh, I guess we're doing this again. I, I guess Trump is the guy. And I think some recognition of that is reflected in more U.S. senators, uh, members of the House leadership team, you know, prominent Republicans on Capitol Hill who for a long time had avoided reendorsing Trump are kind of seeing the writing on the wall and going over the last week or so. Yeah. OK, I guess we're doing this again. Joe Sapecki, our fine guest. He is a dim strategist from the great state of Wisconsin, Sapecki Communications. Uh, Joe, let's turn to Iowa, you know, before he can run away with it. He's got to win the state of Iowa. And the weather may play an impact. Joe, I escaped Iowa with the by the skin of my teeth here. Uh, saw a blizzard in Iowa this week. Another blizzard currently going on and perhaps more snow this weekend. And then sub-zero temperatures. Joe, only one in four Iowans go to the caucus anyways. This could be an exceptionally low turnout caucus. Do you think that shakes up the race in any way, shape, or form for the Republicans? It it might. I, I, there's like there's two schools of thought here. And let's start, let's stipulate, right? It's going to be way too cold. It's going to be way too snowy. Iowa caucus goers are pretty old. You know, that's not a derogatory thing. They're just... They're older, right? They don't like going out in the cold. They have a harder time when the sidewalks are slippery. It's an old part of the population that that are the most likely caucus goers. And so what you are what you look to is how enthusiastic are people? Enthusiasm can get you through the cold, can get you through the snow. And we may find out whether there's more enthusiasm for Trump or to stop Trump. I my gut tells me there's more enthusiasm for Trump. And if anything, it will mean that instead of winning by 15 or 20, he ends up winning by 25 or 30. But I could, I'm prepared to be wrong there because I do think that, that with every passing day, more Republicans are waking up to what Chris Christie has to say and realizing, wait, we can't possibly do this again. Joe, the Iowa debate, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and counter-programmed by Donald Trump at the Fox News Town Hall. Uh, Curdy and I had quite the discussion about this yesterday. A lot of people chiming in on Trump's performance specifically. I wanted to get your sense. Did you see uh, Trump in the Town Hall on Fox News? And if so, what was your evaluation of, of how the former president performed? I saw some of both. And my takeaway was that this was the greatest night in political debate programming since probably the Lincoln-Douglas debates. No, obviously, I'm kidding. I mean, this like <laughs> we are clearly grading on a curve when and, and Crudy has uh, hinted at what he thought. Like, first of all, DeSantis and Haley was a train wreck. It was yeah. like somehow even worse than Gavin Newsom 
versus Ron DeSantis was. I mean, talk about two people that don't like one another. And was Trump better than he usually is of late? Yes. No question. Uh, clearly, they shot Grandpa up with enough B12 to, like, you know, get that shine back for an hour or so. But he still was undisciplined. He still was making Democratic campaign ads for us in saying things like, I'm the one who got Roe v. Wade done. You're welcome. And, you know, I'm the reason uh, abortion isn't legal across this country anymore. So he again repeated himself. I'll only be a dictator on day one. So was he better? Was it the best that Trump can be right now? Pro probably. But he's also deteriorated in the last four years in a ways that I think most of America does not understand. They haven't seen him slurring his words on the stump. They haven't heard just how much more vindictive and vengeful he has become and how much more it is about him and not about the American people than it even was four years ago when he was president. And the reason that I can say that with a straight face is Trump got 5.7 million viewers on the, the Fox town hall. Haley and DeSantis got 2.3 million on their CNN debate. So more than twice as many viewers as Trump. You add that all up and that gets you to what? 7 million voters. There's going to be 170 million votes this fall. That That is a vanishingly small slice of the electorate that even now is tuning in and seeing this stuff up close. Every passing primary election or caucus this year, more Americans are going to log into the fact it's a presidential election year and are going to you know, take a fresh look at Joe Biden, a fresh look at Donald Trump. And, and I think that contrast is going to be vivid and alarming and surprising to a lot of Americans. Joe, uh, a lot of folks saying that this is an election like no other democracy, uh, you know, on the line, maybe the most important, you know, since the Civil War. Uh, I want to get your sense. Do you believe in, in that kind of uh, characterization of this 2024 election? And if so, how do traditional tank campaigns adjust? And how do you think uh, traditional media adjust? <laughs> How, how much time do we have before the break? <laughs> Come I give on, you 30 man. seconds, Joe. Yeah. Solve all the world's problems. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the first answer is easier, which is I do think it is the most important election in our lifetime, full stop. I, I'm not going to pretend you haven't heard that before. You, the listeners, I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't true before. But the stakes are extraordinarily high. There is just no denying the fact that if Donald Trump becomes president once again, the idea of America and some of the bedrock principles and foundational you know, values of this country will be gone. Maybe not forever. Maybe they will be able to be redeemed. But from the rule of law and the disregard that he has, therefore, you know, I'd love to talk to you guys about SEAL Team 6 and hmm. his lawyer's arguments this week. Right. Yeah. When you talk about America's role in the world as a global leader and the certainty that Trump will try to get us out of NATO and abandon our role of leadership in the world. Um, when you talk about the politicization of the Department of Justice, all of these things will be broken beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
by Donald Trump if he is president of the United States again. And the people around him in his administration will be far more dangerous than last time and far less likely to serve as guardrails for our democracy than last time. Joe Zapecki, last... Sorry to interrupt, my friend. I was going to say, what do we do about that? you got to come back yes. after the break. All right. <laughs> okay. Come back at it. <laughs> last time I spoke to you, you were cautiously optimistic about 2024. Well, now we're in 2024. Joe, last minute before the break, how you feeling today? Outside the COVID and, you know, the weather. Yeah, I mean, I've been locked in the basement since Tuesday. And when I step outside, it's the surface of Hoth. So I'm not doing great in that regard, but I still think there's more that's right about America than there is wrong with America, and Joe Biden will win a rematch. Excellent. Come back. The rematch. Joe Zapecki, Devil's Advocates. Motto, a motto, a motto. More of us. Come on back. If you're not turned on to politics, politics will turn on you. Think you know politics? Again, welcome to the Devil's Advocates. And thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show. Our friend Joe Zapecki, Dem strategist with Zapecki Communications, sticking around for another segment. Joe, thank you for doing so. Before we went to the break, I asked you a question and you restated and and, and talked about what the stakes are, how important this election is. So we agree on that. Uh, But I really want to know your opinion Uh, as a Dem strategist. Number one, how then would you recommend these campaigns adjust I can't do things the the way it was always done if this is something totally new and different that we have to deal with. And, of course, a secondary, at least an opinion on the media's take. You know, legacy media uh, is getting raked over the coals right now. Uh, I want to get a sense on that as well, Joe. Yeah, the biggest thing I would say, so just to give folks a little bit of a sense of this. So I worked on presidential campaigns in 2004, in 2012. Uh, I've been on the independent expenditure side in 2016 and 2020. And so over the the span of my life in presidential politics and campaigns, the way we've done things has evolved. It has changed a whole lot. Some of that is for the better. Some of that in ways that is now kind of frustrating. And in some ways we went away from stuff and now we're right back to it. Like the thinking on it has literally done a 180. And so My answer to anybody who with the Biden campaign or with any independent expenditure campaign who asked me what they should be doing, my answer is doing all of it. We do not have the luxury of saying, well, we're going to be really innovative this time and meet people where they are. And it's going to be a digital first and digital only and digital always that between streaming services and social media and the mobile devices that we walk around with, that's path enough to reach enough voters to win. My response to that was going to be, would be, that's not good enough. You have to do that, but you also have to do as much broadcast and traditional cable television as you've ever done, right? And and that, so on the paid communication side, on the earned communication side, on the field organizing side, 
you have to do all of it. And, and like the other short example I'll give is, you know, 2020, there weren't a lot of in-person events or activities or campaign style rallies. So should you be doing some virtual stuff in 2024? Yeah, but you also got to get back to doing stuff in person like we did in 2016 and 2012. You literally have to do all of it because if anybody in any of those roles wakes up the day after the election and Donald Trump has been, you know, has won in the electoral college by a 5,000 vote margin across three states, you're going to be kicking yourself for the rest of your life because you didn't do all the things all the time. Joseph Pecky, here's one of the things I keep saying, uh, and perhaps this is why it bothered me so much to see Donald Trump on a Fox News town hall effectively unchallenged by the moderators. It was like a long form conversation. He just got to spout his opinions and his version of the truth nearly on every single topic. Well, here's what I would wonder. Are there no friendly media outlets that Joe Biden can go and do a long form interview with? Why is it that Joe just doesn't seem to do interviews, Joe? You do. Well, but I, Joe, Joe well, Biden doesn't <laughs> seemingly do the long form get to know you, be a human being sort of interview. Well, I don't think there's any question that he will start doing more of that stuff. The reality is he's president of the United States right now, and there are hot wars going on in Ukraine, in the Middle East, and that arena is expanding. You know, we just learned in the last 24 hours about a pretty significant international coalition that had to respond to the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen. Uh, the, you know, president is a big job and Joe Biden has his hands full and can't be a full time candidate. So I, I would start there. And I, you know, listen, those of us who care deeply about this, we want what I just talked about in the last response, which is more of the stuff all of the time. And what we have to recognize is that Joe Biden is president. And right now he has to be president and manage some of these crises. And by the simple act of doing that, he is reminding the people of this country that it is a serious job that requires a serious person. And therefore, the implicit contrast is Donald Trump is not that, you know, he's going to be out here doing, you know, stops at all of his 14 criminal and civil trials and proceedings around the country. That's not serious. Joe Biden is serious. And as we get into February, there will be a little more campaigning. And March, he'll do the State of the Union, and there will be even more campaigning than that. So there will be sort of an ebb and flow to this. Just because he's not doing that stuff now doesn't mean he's not going to be doing it in June, July, and August. And I I'm okay with that. If you want to get Kamala Harris or Jill Biden out doing more of that, great. And by the way, they have had Jill Biden out doing some of that. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about it, and I think it's probably a good thing for our side, for my side, that there are not, you know, state-run media outlets in the way that Fox News is a state-run, you know, arm of the Republican Party that just let him go and say whatever the heck he wants, whether it has any basis in fact or not. Joe, Joe Biden's got a lot of really good friends, though. I mean, Barack Obama could be out there surrogating. Uh, Michelle Obama, hell, there's any number of cabinet secretaries, any number, <clears throat> pardon me, Joe, of associated friends that could be out there Making the case for Joe. When when does that begin? Well, some of it has begun. You you had a part of that in your studio not too long ago, right? When you've got, you know, retired 
military leaders going to battleground states and making the case when you have, you know, organizations that care about democracy standing up and saying this is important and here's why. All of that is part and parcel of the broader case when, you know, you see things within the last week that we've seen, like, you know, the, the new website showing all of the different projects in Wisconsin that are benefiting from federal funding available through the bipartisan infrastructure law. And people can where would I find that, to, Joe? Because I was unaware uh, of that. It came out just this week. I will find it for you. I don't have the URL handy, but I know it. Came if you out, share so it, we'll me. share it with the audience a little bit yep. later, Joe. I don't mean right to put in, you but, on the spot. But that's, but that's the kind of thing that connects the dots for people of, you know, for four years, Donald Trump made, you know, infrastructure week a joke. Joe Biden got it done. And now Wisconsin communities are seeing the impact of it. Joe Zapecki, our good friend. Des Moines Joe Zapecki, right? I know you prefer the biggest Joe. Rage Against the Machine, Joe. Appreciate you coming around on a Friday afternoon. Thanks, Joe. Folks, we are the Devil's Advocates. I think we got James Santel via candlelight. Maybe a couple of hamsters on the wheel driving the connection. Hopefully it works. More of the Devil's Advocates. A happier happy hour is next.